Life Audio. Hope does not mean I get to control the outcomes. Hope does not mean I get to erase every imperfection from the canvas of my life. But hope is my vantage point and my worldview through which I see everything that happens in my life. And I think that we need a resurgence of hope because dark clouds have formed on the horizon of our culture. We need to let the light back in. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. And after a quick word from our sponsors, my guest, Benjamin Wendell, and I will be back to talk about the tide-turning power of hope. But look around you, your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Benjamin Wendell is an innovative and empathetic author and speaker. And as a pastor for over 20 years, he's walked with many people through the dark shadows and valleys of the human experience. He has dedicated his life to helping people overcome life's challenges by growing deeper in their faith and reaching higher in life. Benjamin is married to his high school sweetheart, Cindy, and they have three sons. Well, Benjamin, thank you so much for making some space to be with us today. We're delighted you're here. It's a joy to be with you, Jody, and and your listeners today. So your book is called Good Catastrophe, which is just such a harsh juxtaposition of words. And I imagine that a lot of listeners are in seasons that feel like something catastrophic is happening to them. And it's really hard to call that good. So I want to just start there. What do you mean by the words good catastrophe? The title of the book, Good Catastrophe, I mean, gosh, it's hard choosing book titles, right? (laughs) You know, let's start there. But I really did want to find a word or a couple of words that caught this idea, captured the idea that our greatest growth comes from our deepest pain. And I found it very difficult to find a single English word that kind of showed good from bad, you know, hope from pain. I looked at different languages. You know, my heritage is Greek. I thought surely there's a Greek word. Maybe there's a Hebrew word. But, you know, I found this word in the writings of J.R.R. Tolkien, And the moment I read it, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is it. And so Tolkien coined the word eucatastrophe, spelt 
E-U, catastrophe, E-U, the prefix, translated good, good catastrophe. And what Tolkien, you know, the author of Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, the famous books, and now the famous movies, what he meant by this idea of good catastrophe is when he was narrating the storyline of these famous books, he would talk about a moment that the main character would come to when it felt like all hope was gone. Like mm-hmm. there was no way out midnight hour, darkest moment of the story. Where do we go from here? Story is all but finished. And Tolkien said there would be a sudden turn towards mm-hmm. joy. When all seemed lost, there was a sudden turn towards joy and you kind of see that redemptive message of hope actually in his movies when you know oh i thought there was no getting out of this but wow there's hope so i borrowed his word to title this book because i think you look at the the world he was raised in he was actually an army veteran from world war one survived world war one only because he contracted a debilitating trench fever There's something about that generation for me, my grandparents' generation, great-grandparents that understood resilience. They understood Mm -hmm. that it's it's the challenges in life that really make us. So it's no surprise that I had to reach outside of popular culture to find somebody who could put into words what is desperately needed today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as you're saying that, I'm thinking – that makes all stories good is the conflict that results in somebody pushing through, finding deeper strength, being able to remake themselves or whatever, however the resolution is. And yet when we look at our lives, we don't want those things to happen. It's really good to read about them, not to experience them. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And But we know, I think there's just something deep in us. That's why we love those stories, because we know that it's true. And it is part of a truth that's in the fabric of creation. I'm curious, would you be willing to share a part of your journey with us that we could label as that good catastrophe? Yeah, absolutely. But I'll just stretch that, this concept a bit further and I'll share a little bit about my personal story. That phrase, good catastrophe, we're using that in this book to describe dual events. And they're the events that are the things in life that brought you to your knees, covered your face in tears, and at the time were truly catastrophic, painful, an imperfection, a challenge that you couldn't solve. But, you know, in two years, in five years, in 10 years, they're the same things that we look back on and say, if I never went through that, I wouldn't be who I am today and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And so the the big idea is this, that with hope in God, the storyline of our lives always curves toward a redemptive purpose. And I truly believe that God takes it all, the brokenness, the, the the pieces on the ground, the challenges, and he weaves it together for his redemptive purpose. 
And you're right. These things are easy to speak about. They're easier to write about. No one wants to experience them. We all wish them away, pray them away, but that's not the nature of life. We don't, we don't get an immunity from pain. We don't get an immunity from challenges. That is the lived human experience that all of us go through every single day of our lives. But I would say it's felt like in the last year, I've had a compressed version of some of this mm. in, in the last year. Uh, my family navigated through the final stages of a, a, a very devastating cancer journey with my older brother, which, you know, we were only 18 months apart. So, you know, kind of raised almost as twins, even though he was a, a lot bigger than me, but grew up together like most brothers in the 80s, riding BMX bicycles, competing mm-hmm. over Atari video games, <laughs> riding to our neighborhood basketball court and and competing against each other. And I never imagined that cancer would visit him like a thief in the night and steal from him and from our family his future. And it did. That that journey ended. He passed away just in the last number of months. Mm-hmm. And then within a few months of that, I lost two grandparents and went through a major life transition. So, gosh, it was a lot. And I'm thinking to myself, I've written this book, Good Catastrophe. God, mm-hmm. did you see the title? Where is the good? And I want to stress this to listeners and to readers. The, the idea of good catastrophe is not just, oh, cheer up, be optimistic. Mm-hmm. Good's going to come out of this. It's not so much just that good's going to come out of catastrophe. And the best way for me to describe it is through a concept vehicle that I call the bicycle. And if you think of a bicycle with two wheels, um, one wheel is the wheel of challenge. It's the wheel of imperfection. It's the wheel of hardship and adversity. The other wheel is the divine wheel. It's the good times. It's, it's hope. It's peace. It's joy. I used to think that if I could erase the imperfections and challenges of my life and only have the good, then I'd, I would be happy and, and mm. fulfilled. Mm. But I found that like a bicycle, we always ride on both wheels at the same time. And so we never have a day that's so bad and so tragic that there's not some good. But we really don't really have days that no matter how good they are, no matter how much the sun is shining, that there's not some pain, challenge, or imperfection or adversity somewhere in our life or in those our, our loved ones. So when we stop delaying our happiness and gratitude and fulfillment, hoping that mm-hmm. all of the challenges will be removed, we simply start to ride the bicycle and recognize this is the lived human experience of life here and now. It is a mix of hope and hardship, but it's a symbiotic relationship between the two. This is the crucial point, that God takes the hardship and he mixes it with hope and he brings about something even better to grow us. And that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're unpacking Romans 8, 28 for us, that God uses everything for our good. And I think one of the things that I, 
stress about that verse whenever I talk about it is that does not mean God says what is happening is good. The death that you have experienced in your family is not good. It's terrible. It's a reminder of just the fractured human experience, like you just said. And I know we all move through those things. We're going to pause here for a quick break, and then we'll be right back. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. How have you clung to hope. You talk about this a little bit in your book. There's this cliche hope and then there's a real hope. Well, yeah. Let me say this about Romans 8.28. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. But we are not left in mystery as to what the writer of Romans was talking about Mm -hmm. because he lists them. So you can read Romans and you're like, it's not it's not like oh i've got to dive into the original greek to understand what is he taught just read the whole chapter of romans 8 R- read the earlier chapters of romans paul literally lists what the all things were and he mm-hmm. was unapologetic and saw no incongruence between talking about what his lived human experience was and this bright hope that he had in Jesus. And so he talks about what are the all things? Well, they were beatings. They were shipwrecks. He was abandoned and betrayed by people that were close to him. He was beaten unto the point of death. He had a thorn in his flesh that he prayed three times that God would remove and God didn't remove it. He carried the pastoral burden of the congregations he was shepherding. I mean, you go on and on and you're like, Paul had his fair share of challenges. Mm-hmm. So the all things that God works with, that raw material, are bad things. The all things are bad things that God mm-hmm. uses for good. And so when tragedy hit, hits, like it did with Paul, like it did with Job, we need to have a framework and a worldview where that makes sense. And if our version of the Christian faith has been follow Jesus, and if you trust God, 
enough. Like I'm a pastor's kid. I was raised in church. This is some of the error that I was raised in. Put your hope in God and your life will be blessed in a way that makes it look like a postcard perfect life, this hallmark version of life. And then mud gets thrown on our beautiful postcards and we don't know what to do with it. And we have a whole generation of people like that right now that don't know what to do with imperfections or anxiety or what do I do when a storm hits? So we need hope, but we need a brand of hope that's robust enough to speak to real life. One of the things that has been a huge help to me is I asked myself this question and then I've tried to live it out. Is there a link between friendship and hope? Because I've often seen hope as more of an internal private experience. It just happens within me as an individual. But I'm starting to see hope as a communal experience. And I put it this way. Hope needs human skin. Mm-hmm. We have a loneliness epidemic right now. My generation, millennials, almost one quarter of millennials say this, that when a storm hits their life, they don't have a single friend to talk, talk, turn to. Gen Z, 79% say they feel lonely. Job was left completely alone when he lost his 10 children and many of his staff and business colleagues. And there's this moment in the story for those that may be familiar with Job as an Old Testament character that's famous for the amount of lust that he went through. Mm -hmm. And the story finds him completely alone, sitting in the dirt of the earth. He's heaping ashes over his face. And on the horizon, Job sees the distant outline of three men and hope walks into his life in the form of three friends. They're not going on a vacation. They're not going to the beach. They're going to be friends. And I think about this because I'm not sure that the words hope and alone are compatible. Mm-hmm. And these three friends of Job get a bad rap, right? Because they went on to give some poor advice. Sure, but they left their families and sat with Job in silence for seven days. Right. right? They were good friends who maybe gave some bad advice. Right. (laughs) So one of the things that's been very important to me is this recognition. We can't go through the storms of life alone. Hope doesn't work that way. God chooses to weave hope through community and people and family. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you brought up there is something really important we can learn from Job's friends. They showed up, they sat there, they held space with him in his grief. And that's amazing. And yeah, they they did go to give some pretty terrible advice, but they were there. And I think we do need to learn from both pieces of that. We need to learn to show up and we need to learn to just listen and to be present and to not. And I think maybe that's where the cliche hope comes in is when we try to start fixing things for people with platitudes or just trying to move them through the pain process and not giving space for grief and the real effects of trauma that happen to us. 
I mean, there are healing things that we can and should do, but to try and push that forward or write that off or say it doesn't matter, of course, those are things that aren't helpful and don't bring hope. It's interesting to me as we're talking about this, God does not eliminate hardships from our lives. Like you just said, we were somewhere along the way, maybe raised to believe that our faith in in Jesus would actually protect us from hardship, which if you read scripture, Jesus says over and over again, you're going to have trouble. The storms are going to come. Be ready. So I don't know where that message came from. And yet it feels like so many people get disillusioned because hardships crash into their lives unexpectedly. So what's encouragement that you have for people that are feeling that confusion? Well, it's because we're conveying a very brittle worldview that doesn't seem to fit the shape of a very complex world. And you're right. Look at the words of Jesus when he talked about in this life, trouble will come and then hope. It's a good catastrophe, an eternal hope. Mm. Um, I think we need to rediscover the teachings of Paul. And I would encourage people that read scripture, read your favorite gospel passages, and then keep reading in the New Testament. Read from Paul, because I think Paul has something to offer us in our modern life. Life is moving faster. It's becoming more challenging. So we need a hope that makes sense in a very complex world. And I would say to people that have been raised in that, hey, I'm with you. I know what it feels like to try and navigate through. Hang on a second. I thought that the Christian life meant this. Well, where else do we need to look but the cross of Jesus to recognize that hope is not the absence of hardship, but perhaps hope and hardship together can do something that a problem-free life never could. Mm -hmm. And the deeper that we can dig into an eternal mindset My hope stretches beyond my circumstances. Hope does not mean I get to control the outcomes. Hope does not mean I get to erase every imperfection from the canvas of my life. But hope is my vantage point and my worldview through which I see everything that happens in my life. We talk a lot about faith, hope, and love, the three pillars of Christianity. But we're not talking much about hope these days. And I think that we need a resurgence of hope because dark clouds have formed on the horizon of our culture. We need to let the light back in. Mm. Beautifully said. You said that we need to revisit the teachings of Paul. So let's do that right now. The passage that we meditated on in the Scripture Meditation podcast was from 2 Corinthians 4 verses 8 through 10 in the New Living Translation. I'll read it for us. It says this, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus 
may also be seen in our bodies. You use this passage in your book. So I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit more about some of the things that you see in this passage. Well, firstly, it's just a beautiful passage of writing, right? What Paul is capturing here is so meaningful. You just take that first phrase, verse 8. Like, what does it mean to be hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed? Mm -hmm. So he's not minimizing what he's actually walking through in life. So his version of hope is not like, guys, everything's totally fine. God bless you. Oh, I'm doing good. You know, God's... Paul's like, oh, so how are you doing, Paul? How's your life going? Well, verse 8, here's how I'm doing. I am hard-pressed on every side, every side of my life. There is hard pressure being applied. Mental health, physical health, ministry, leadership, finances, relationships. I am feeling pressure on every side of who I am. And he says this, yet I'm not crushed. So to me, there's just beauty in that. So hang on a second. I can feel like the pressure in life can be so multifaceted and so overwhelming and so heavy. I feel like it's literally about to crush me. It's a crushing weight. And Paul's like, yes, in those moments where you feel like the pressure is on, just know this, you're not going to be crushed by it, even though it feels like it's going to crush you. It won't crush you. Wow. It's a, that is a powerful word for us to know when we feel hard-pressed, we will not be crushed. Why? Because we're carrying that life of Jesus, he says, mm-hmm. in our body. Like, again... It's just profound. Yeah, I'm looking at the verse and the things that are jumping out to me is we're not crushed. We're not driven to despair. We are not abandoned by God. We are not destroyed. There's just this beautiful imagery that he is painting that even in the midst of just terrible suffering and being pressed in, every side. I mean, you, that it, like you said, that's just such a beautiful word picture of what it feels like to be in the vice grip of pain and yet to cling to hope. Yeah. And I hope that's an encouragement for all of us where we feel hard pressed on every side. Hey, hope in God, his earlier verse, the excellence of the power of God Mm. means your soul and your mind and your spirit will not be crushed because you have the excellence of the power of God. How can we cultivate more hope in our life as a practice? What are some ways that you have discovered that help us? Because what we're talking about is, yes, we need to hope in Jesus. We know that is true. I believe everybody listening to this podcast probably believes that. How do we cultivate that so that it's the hand rail that we grab onto as soon as we need it when things start to get rough. Yeah. I think one way of answering that 
is again, hope becomes a vantage point through which, which we see every challenge and imperfection in life. Mm-hmm. So we need to change the fundamental way we approach problems. See, when I talk about problems, here's what I'm really talking about. I'm talking about growth. And there's so much in that in terms of the way that we see it. We need to rediscover our grandparents' version of resilience. We need to see hope not just as a virtue, but as a community experience. We need to understand that hope is a spiritual dynamic. It's more than optimism. It's more than doing cardio. It's a spiritual dynamic of the spirit of God inside of us, revitalizing us from the inside out. We need to ride the bicycle every day of our life and understand every day there is good and bad simultaneously, but the challenges I have, God's working them towards my growth. Mm-hmm. And when all else fails and it feels like everything in our life has been cut down, we need to understand that we are living in what Solomon called life under the sun. Mm-hmm. And for those that feel like they've lost so much, the pain is so deep, there is a hope in heaven that serves as our ultimate hope. It's good. As you were saying that, I was drawn back to a recent season that was pretty traumatic in my life. And I kept thinking every morning I woke up and I thought, when is the pain going to be over? I just wanted to be through it. And I knew I was growing. I knew God, I believed all of the things that we were saying. I believed God would use this to to form me to be more like him, that there would be good and beauty that would come out of this. And yet it was just terrible in the midst of it. And there was this place of just almost willing myself to cling to the truth of hope in the midst of what felt just really, really hard. Giving myself space and grace to grieve and cry and feel the pain because that was real too. And yet then turning my face back to Jesus and saying, and yet I do believe there will come a day, hopefully here on this earth, but if not, there will come a day when you will take all of the things that are wrong and you will make them right again. And that gave me hope. I'm curious, what are some words that you have in closing for somebody that is in that place right now that wakes up in the morning and just is reminded again of the life situation that they're in and they just wish it was different? Well, I studied all of scripture with that very question in mind. What does God do when we're at our lowest? Mm -hmm. How does God respond to us? And what I found was so encouraging. I discovered that God specializes in hard situations. When the odds were most stacked against people in scripture, pits, shipwrecks, valleys, you name it, God was most active, most at work, most powerful. So I put it this way. Hope is not God's side hustle. Mm. 
It is his primary nature and expression towards us. You are seen, you are known, and God is actively at work in ways that may not make sense yet. They may not make sense for another five years or 10 years, but there's a a very high probability you're going to look back on what you're going through right now and see the divine hand of God sustaining you, growing you, and moving you towards his purpose and his potential. Mm, Thank you. That is super encouraging. And thank you for making some space to be with us today, Benjamin. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you, Jody. I've had a blast. Well, friends, I'm going to put links in the show notes for how you can find Benjamin, follow him, and get his new book. If you are in a place where you need hope, I cannot recommend this book highly enough to you. So I do hope you'll get a copy. It was super encouraging to me as I read it. I also do want to take a quick second to just thank the team of Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts that are in their network. Shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and of course, even this one on scripture meditation and thoughtful conversations. And as always, I do want to thank you again for joining me and Benjamin today on So Much More because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.